The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. My soul is satisfied in Jesus, only Jesus. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I want to talk to you about Jesus today. 
probably something you've never heard before but it's very much there in the scriptures. And if you want to survive the storm that is breaking on America and the Western world, the whole world, then you need to enter the rest of God. It is not optional. It is mandatory. It is the only safe place, and it's in Jesus Let's pray. Lord, I need your direction. I need your unction. I need your power to speak this word today. I know that it will startle many, but it is the way, the truth, and the life. It is you, Jesus. So would you enlarge this word in my heart? Would you, would you make it sound and solid for those who listen. And would you call them into your rest today? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We all rest somewhere. Where do you rest? Some people rest in their television. Some people rest in the professional sports. Some people rest in their husband or their wife. Where do you rest? Where is that place where you can just rest? Where the anxieties disappear, the pressures are gone, and you can rest. Well, I've only found one place where I can rest, I've only found one place where the pressures are all dissipated. I've only found one place where I'm at home. And that rest is found in Jesus Christ. And as we enter into this incredible storm that is breaking upon America today, it's absolutely necessary that you enter into the rest of Jesus Christ. So let's go to the scriptures. Let me share several passages with you that reference this place of rest. In Genesis, the second chapter, I'll begin reading with verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing so on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. That is, he ceased. The word rest in the Hebrew is to cease, but it's much more than that. It's a place of, of lying down. It's a bedroom. It's a place of peace, of rest. On the seventh day, he rested from all of his work, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he had rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, what did God do on the eighth day? Did he go back to work? 
No. The work was finished. The earth was created. Well, what did he do on the ninth day? He rested. His work was finished. And so, on the eighth day, on the ninth day, on the tenth day, he came and fellowshiped with Adam and Eve. He talked with them. He loved them. There was fellowship between them. Then we come to the question of when did they lose the Sabbath? Well, they lost their Sabbath rest with God when they sinned against the Lord in the Garden of Eden and they took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because now they said, we will be like God. We don't need God's rest. We'll rest in ourselves. We'll rest in what we create. They chose to separate from God. And by separating from God, they lost the Sabbath rest. Now, there is no record of any Sabbath keeping from the time of the separation from God in that garden until Exodus, the 20th chapter, with the children of Israel. This is Jesus speaking from Mount Sinai. Remember, it's always Jesus who dealt with man. Again, we go to the Gospel of John, the first chapter. Hebrews, the epistle, the first chapter. And Colossians, the first chapter. All three chapters tell us the same thing, that Jesus was the creator God. Now, if we look at chapter 20, where the Lord is giving his commandments to Moses, the moral code of conduct, right in the heart of that Decalogue, in verse 8, chapter 20, verse 8, this is the commandment. Remember the Sabbath day. That is, bring it to memory. It's not an intellectual understanding. It is an experiential understanding. It is remembering the reality of how Sabbath was created. It's remembering the fellowship with God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That's the fourth commandment. It is to set apart that Sabbath day as holy to set apart the Sabbath day as holy. 
Then we come to the New Testament. Is Sunday the Sabbath? (laughs) No. No. Sunday is not the Sabbath. Is the seventh day the Sabbath? Yes. But those questions limit the reality of what the Sabbath was. The Sabbath was the time when God came and fellowshiped. Now with the children of Israel, he is restoring one day of fellowship a week. I was raised in a Seventh-day Adventist family. I understand very well what it means to have one day a week as a Sabbath celebration. We would gather on Friday evening after the cooking had all been finished for the Sabbath. After, as the youngest, it was my job to shine mother and dad in my two brothers' shoes. After the baths had been taken, the house was vacuumed, everything was in place, everything was immaculate. And then at sundown on Friday night, the family would gather for a family worship and we would welcome the Sabbath. It was a very special time for me. The Seventh-day Adventist Church is a wonderful church. It has some very misguided doctrines and they're in trouble today because they are more and more leaning toward a Calvinistic understanding of salvation. Once saved, always saved. You know you're saved. You have eternal security. That's troublesome to me. And then they have other strange doctrines regarding the sanctuary. And I could name quite a few, but I won't. But I'll tell you what I learned. I learned to have a great desire for the presence of Jesus. I learned that I could search the scriptures and find the truth, that the truth was in the scriptures. Now, they fouled that up with their prophetess, Ellen G. White, and many began to look upon her as the interpreter of scripture and equal with scripture. That gave me great heartburn and finally caused me to leave the Seventh-day Adventist church That was, well, almost 50 years ago. But I still have great respect for what I learned there about searching after Jesus. But let me read for you a passage of Scripture that they're not comfortable with. This is Colossians the second chapter, verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival. That would be the annual festivals. A new moon celebration. That would be the monthly celebration. Or a Sabbath day. That's the weekly celebration. He's saying, the Apostle Paul is saying, don't let anybody judge you 
by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality is found in Christ. The reality is found in Christ. Well, as I struggled with this issue of how do I handle this? How do I how do I look at this? I began to have the Holy Spirit speak to me and I'm going to include you in this today. I'm absolutely clear that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. But he did not cancel the law. I'm not an antinomian. The law is still in effect, and if you walk in sin, you are under the law. You can say, I'm covered by God's grace. No, you're not. You can say, I'm continuing, and I always will continue to sin, and I'm saved. No, you're not. That's an uncomfortable reality. But we are called to be holy, and without holiness, no man will see the Lord. And it's not imputed holiness, it's imparted holiness, it's real holiness, where God comes and changes us and transforms us and makes us into new creatures. So when we come to this question of Sabbath... We have to recognize that every one of the Ten Commandments is spoken about in the New Testament. But there is not one passage of Scripture in the entire New Testament that teaches us how to keep the Jewish Sabbath of one day a week. Because Sabbath is no longer one day a week. Seventh-day Adventist and part of my family is still Seventh-day Adventist, they will say to me, Ray, after all the studying you've done and and the knowledge you have of the Scriptures, how can you deny the Seventh-day Sabbath? You know what I say to them? I don't deny the Seventh-day Sabbath. It is my greatest joy. Because for me, the Sabbath is Jesus Christ. So, I keep as holy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sabbath, and Sunday. I keep all of those days holy. What do I mean? Well, you remember when Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount and outlined what the New Testament church was to look like. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, that is, the royal authority of God. Seek for that royal authority to be exercised over your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. Well, the way you begin to enter the Sabbath rest of God is by seeking first his kingdom. 
seeking only his kingdom and his righteousness. That's all you seek every day of the week. You are completely given over to Jesus and you seek him with all of your heart. You seek to be made righteous by the blood of Jesus. It is a gift of faith. It is not by works, lest any man should boast. Righteousness, real righteousness, is given to us as a free gift of grace by Jesus. It's real righteousness. The word righteous, of course, is dikasune, and it means straight, no crooked way. It means straight, it means justified, it means made righteous, but of all of that, it means innocent. God calls us to be innocent before him, not giving way. I was praying with a brother yesterday afternoon, and he made the most wonderful statement of faith. He said, I woke up this morning, and I determined that for the whole day, I would seek Jesus. How awesome is that? He said, I don't want to sin in any way, in thought, in deed, in word. I want to walk righteous before God by the power of the blood of Jesus. That brother is on the right road. It's the same road I'm traveling. It's the road I keep inviting you to join me on. And many of you, I know, are doing that. Now, we come to the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews will speak very specifically about this question of the Sabbath. In the first chapter of the book of Hebrews, and the word Hebrew comes from the word Eber, who was a forefather of Abraham. So the Hebrews are the sons of Abraham, and specifically the Jewish sons through Isaac and Jacob. It begins with chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sin, for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So Jesus, God, our Savior, who provided atonement for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Now, in chapter 2, we must pay more careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away that's why i opened this broadcast with this statement if you want to survive 
you must enter the rest of God. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. Verse 11. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family, and Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. I declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I will sing your praises, and again I will put my trust in him. Now we, the children of Abraham, we, the Gentiles, we have flesh and blood. Jesus was created, birthed by Mary, fully God, and he became fully man. He did this in order, as a faithful high priest, he might make the final and full atonement for our sins. He himself was tempted not as God, but as man. He is able to help those who are being tempted. He's able to help you and me and strengthen us. Now, the Holy Spirit says in verse 7, this is chapter 3, verse 7, the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation and I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. You see, the rest in God is where the salvation is. Without entering that rest, there is no salvation. The writer of Hebrews says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. Just has been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Now, the question is, have we hardened our hearts? 
If you hold the position that you can continue to walk in sin and you're saved, you've hardened your heart. If you believe that God has unconditional love for you, you've hardened your heart. If you believe that that God forgave through Jesus all of your past, present, and future sins at the cross, you've hardened your heart. Because these beliefs will block you from the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will be religious. You will have a sentimental understanding of the gospel. But you will deny the atonement of Jesus. It was a sacrificial atonement. And it calls for a real and living experience day by day with Jesus Christ. This is not an automatic salvation. You must, according to Ephesians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling before God. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. That's what God wants to do with you. He doesn't want you to go on serving the devil, being ravaged by sin. I mean, which of us, if we were married, would want the devil to ravage our wives? Are you kidding me? That's the last thing we would want. So why would Jesus allow the devil to continue ravaging his people with sin? That's insanity. It's a total misunderstanding of atonement and of the gospel. And you won't enter his rest believing that. Now watch. Therefore, chapter 4, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. What's he saying? They did not combine faith with what they heard from the living God. And today you must stand in faith that God will grant to you true righteousness that he will remove all sin from your heart, that he will sanctify you through and through. Read First and Second Thessalonians, where Paul is very desirous of going back and visiting the Thessalonica church. Why? Because he wants to have them entirely sanctified with a pure heart, a clean heart. Now we read, verse 6, it still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Disobedience on your part will keep you from entering the bedroom of God, the rest of God. It will prevent you from having intimacy with Jesus. still remains that some will enter that rest. 
and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as it was said today, as it was said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't be stubborn. Let Jesus work that full salvation in your heart. Verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains a Sabbath rest where you don't do any of your own work where you don't plan your own agenda, where you rest in the presence of God. There still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Verse 7, during the days of Jesus' life on the earth, this is Hebrews 5, verse 7, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. He was heard because of his Reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made complete or perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now what are we to make of all this? Well, Jesus is my high priest. Jesus is the heavenly creator who made the heavens and the earth. Jesus is the one who came and died on Calvary for your sin. It was not his intention to leave you in that sin. It was his intention to save you from your sins. That's what the name Jesus means, to save from their sins. It was Jesus' intention that you should enter into his rest, 
because now the Sabbath is not one day a week. The Sabbath is seven days a week. We cease from our own labor. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We seek after the Lord with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our all of our heart. We seek Jesus. Now, we've come into a time of great difficulty. Many of you, I recognize, have lounged around in the gospel, continuing to walk in sin, believing what the modern pastors tell you, that you can't leave your sin. It's interesting. George Whitfield didn't teach that, and he was reformed. John Wesley certainly didn't teach that. He was holiness. Charles Finney didn't teach that. Jonathan Edwards didn't teach this. They all taught that you had to leave your sin and that if you didn't leave your sin, you were not saved. A great casualness has come into the body of Christ where it's okay to go to the to the NASCAR races. It's okay to watch the television and all the uncleanness that is there. It's okay to dress however we want, dress like the world. It's okay to be casual, laid back. It's okay to take your cup of coffee and go to church, have some donuts. It's become very casual. Now, in the midst of all of that, I know that many of you have an honest love in your heart for Jesus. And I love you because of that. But I also want you to know that a love for Jesus will not save you from hellfire. Not if that love is just sentimental. Not if that love does not cause a great reformation in your life. As one brother said recently, a sinner can come into the church. But if that sinner is not conformed to the likeness of Jesus, if that sinner doesn't rapidly repent from the acts that lead to death, if he doesn't become a new creature in Christ, he wasn't serious about Jesus. Now, many of you, you have changed. You did make progress. But I can tell you now that many people make progress in their personal life by going through humanistic trainings. Tony Robbins, yoga. They may change the way they eat. They may change habits that are destructive. They may put aside their cigarettes. They may put aside heavy drinking. But they're not saved. In other words, self-help does not bring us into salvation. Self-help in the Christian church, going to workshops and seminars on strategies for successful living. These don't save you. 
salvation is not just an intellectual understanding. It's not just a sentimental, emotional relationship with a personal God. You'll still go to hell. Salvation comes when we enter into the rest of the Sabbath, when we enter into the rest of Jesus, and we cease from our own labor, and we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us into the likeness of Jesus, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So salvation means that we leave the old things behind and we're transformed, we're made into new creatures, we're crucified with Christ so that it's not I who live, but it's Christ living in me. We no longer do the old things. We no longer go to the old places. Pastor, are you saying it's it's wrong to go to a football game? Yes, I am. I don't think Jesus would go there with you. Please hear what I'm trying to say to you. There are things that seem very benign to us, but those things will block the Holy Spirit from digging deep into our soul and exposing the wickedness that is resident there. We need the Holy Spirit to be freed, to move with power, to convict us of our sin. Now, when you become convicted of a sin, it's not self-help to get rid of it. It's what Jesus did even though he had no sin. He prayed. He offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was saved by reverent submission. We learn the same way. We go into the prayer closet and we identify the sin that the Holy Spirit has pointed out to us and we plead the blood of Jesus over that sin and we ask that it be utterly removed from our hearts and from our lives. We reject it. We, we absolutely refuse to continue walking in it and we ask to be made new by the blood of Jesus. We ask to be washed clean. Now over here in the sixth chapter, verse 7, 17, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. We, have, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus also went before us and has entered on our behalf. The rest of God provides for us an anchor by which we can enter into the Holy of Holies in the presence of Almighty God. And that must become our place of rest. That must become for us 
our place of righteousness. Now, some of you are saying, but pastor, I have to go to work on Monday morning. Where you go to work, you do not go in the New Testament to earn money. You go to that place as a place of witness and testimony. You go to that place to bear witness that Jesus is Christ, that he is the Lord, that he is the Messiah. And through that place of employment that Jesus has provided for you, he will flow the resources to pay the bills to take care of you and your family. If you think you are going to work to earn money, you have not yet entered the rest of God. Did the Lord give you that job? Some will say yes, and some will say no. I went and got it myself. Well, when you become a Christian and you enter into the rest of God, you cease from creating for yourself, and you now rest in Jesus you now let the Holy Spirit move to provide, do this, do that, go here, go there. So before I come to this radio broadcast today, I was very much in the presence of God, saying, Lord, what do I present today? And I was going to be in Philippians. He said, no, today go to Hebrews. I said, okay, Lord. So I've laid out for you what the Holy Spirit gave me to speak to you. Now we'll go later to the book of Philippians, perhaps tomorrow. But I want you to see that day by day, my actions come out of the prayer closet. They come out of the reading of the scriptures. They come out of communing with God. I don't want to speak one word on this radio broadcast that comes out of Ray Greenlee's heart. I want it to come out of the heart of Jesus. I want you to understand that we don't operate as lone wolves. We come in the name of Jesus to operate in our lives, in our jobs, in our social gatherings, In this time of great crisis, as we face the storm that could destroy you, you must be hidden in Jesus Christ. He alone is your Savior. He alone is your provision. He alone is your health. He alone is your money. He alone is your food. He is everything. He is everything to me. And he must become everything to you. And you must turn away from all known rebellion and sin against him. And you must stop creating for yourself from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that which you think you deserve and what you want. But you must be utterly dependent upon Jesus. And you must wait upon him. And he will direct your steps, he will order your steps on this highway of holiness. There is no salvation off of the highway of holiness. 
I hope this has been clear for you today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I want to pray with you. Lord, I'm asking that my brothers and sisters could make rapid progress on this highway of holiness. I'm asking that they would quickly enter into that covenant that we spoke of yesterday where we said we will receive nothing except that which comes from the hand of Jesus. We will only receive what he chooses to give us. Lord, that includes every part of our life. That we would not go off on our own to worldly and wicked entertainment. That we would not go off on our own to places of leisure and pleasure. That we would not go off on our own to the wicked things of this world. But Lord, we would seek your face with all of our heart and we would turn in repentance for creating our own worlds being casual about you. Lord, set our hearts on fire as we fast and pray and read your word, as we cry with loud cries, asking you to deliver us from very specific sin. I ask, Lord, that you would redeem your people, that you would ignite a fire of of a third great awakening in their hearts, that you would ignite a fire of revival in this city and in this nation. Almighty God, please do it now. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, I need to hear from you. We're finishing up the month of August and the bill is going to come due for Pilgrim's Progress on Wave Radio. Those of you who give $200, as some of you have done, that's basically one day of radio. I ask, would you help us? Would you stand with us in faith as the Holy Spirit moves in your heart to give and not to withhold? You can do that by writing to me, Pastor Ray, at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, you're also welcome to give online. Go to our webpage, National Prayer Chapel. And up in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a button, Donate. If you'll click there, it will open a page for you from tithe.ly. And there you can make your contribution of tithe or of offering. And it will go to pay for the radio with WAVA. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. The summer months are always difficult, and now with COVID-19, that's a whole nother thing. So thank you to the ones of you who have only sent $20, $10, $200, $500, $1,000. 
Thank you. It all adds up. And it's always perfect for paying what the Lord has called us to pay for with the radio. So, my brother and sister, I've spoken very plainly to you today. I pray that you've been able to hear and understand the word. I'd love to get some feedback. And if you'd like, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And just touch the bell. That'll notify you the next time a video comes available. So you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor a little home fellowship, the National Prayer Chapel. If you'd like to be a part, call me. You find the information on our YouTube or on our channel, nationalprayerchapel.com. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'm concerned for you. I'm eager to have you understand this truth of entering into the rest of God. Read chapters 3 and 4 of Hebrews. I think it'll help you understand. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.